0: Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Uh, amen. And we're, gonna, we're just going to open this up this year. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. And this has been a scripture that God has just been giving me. And um, uh, for, for several, um, well, for a couple of months now, uh, we've been working on what God would speak as God was just in prayer speaking about this year and the word uh, that we would start as far as renewing our vision. This is our series here at church every, every January, renewing our vision as a church to talk about what it looks like to be the people of God in the community to impact the community. Not to be the people of God who have a church membership, but to talk about what that means to be a part of the church and, and, and be a part of facilitating the kingdom of God where we live right? And, and how that works. And let me just tell you something. We have the benefit and the pleasure of being a part of great ministries that have great heart for the kingdom of God. And God has called us to build the church. And it's important, it's important that we embrace that idea. And when God gives the leadership of a house vision, when God gives the leadership of a house purpose, it is important as people to embrace the, the vision and the purpose of the house that God has called you to. and So that's what we do every year to try and renew this. Right? And so I, I preach a sermon series like 2021, A Year of Hope. And everybody goes, oh boy, like what do we experience in 2021? Well, I want to show you, here we are standing in 2022 at the beginning. And most people are approaching 2022 like this. Throw that picture up there. Because of what we experienced in 2020, because of what we experienced in 2021, we are terrified to open the door for 2022. Reading Facebook posts, you can see the misery. Mm. Oh, it's been the worst. It's been awful. It's been terrible. Experienced the worst years of my life. Here, but let me ask you, How you're still here. Yeah. It ain't over. And we've, we're still here and God is still with us. And if I'm still here and God is still with me... Come on, church. My testimony is that I made it through the fire and I don't smell like smoke. My testimony is I made it through and I'm still here. And, and, and what the enemy has meant for evil... God is demonstrating it in and of Himself that He's using it for His glory. Now watch this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I'm going to read you this because this thing has been on my heart for a long time, especially going into this new year. Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph is speaking and he says, You intended to harm me. But God intended it all, everybody said all, All. for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. Let me just pray for a minute. Now, Father, I want our hearts to be postured over this word as we begin. I don't want us to be apprehensive about the future. Father, I don't want us to be poking at the door of 2022 with a long stick. Afraid of what's on the other side. Instead, let us be the people of God who know that no matter what tomorrow brings, our God is with us today. He's been with us yesterday and He will be with us tomorrow. Let that be our testimony, God, as we go forward in what you have called us to do and be. Let this word sink into our heart and bless us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? I'm tired of poking at the future with a long stick. I'm tired of every two weeks hearing a new cycle of threat towards life. Just this morning on the news. Now it's called flu-rona. For real? Is that for real? For real. So we had corona, then we had delta, then we had omni, now we got flu-rona. You see, every two weeks, they're going to come out with something else to keep you in fear. I'm not saying sickness isn't real. I'm just saying there's an agenda here. And the people of God have got to understand something. If we're not in the Word of God, we don't have a clue what's going on and who we're supposed to be. And we'll fall into fear poking a stick as long as we can get at what the future might look like, afraid that something's going to get us. Let me tell you something here. If you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, something's already got you. And I am sick and tired of people in church living in fear. I already punched my ticket. If God calls me home today, glory. I'll see you when you get there. If God leaves me, let's get on board of what God's doing now. Because what the enemy has meant for evil, God uses for his glory. And in the next few weeks, I promise you from the Word of God, what you're going to see is it's almost like God planned it. I'm going to say this very boldly this morning as I begin this series. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your story. Yeah. You've got to change your story. We've all come from somewhere. We all live in some place. Come on. And we all go in somewhere. And I need you to understand your personal calling and your life is not disconnected from the vision and purpose of God on planet Earth today. And so much so, we need to understand that our personal calling of God is linked to the vision of the house that God has called us to. And if we're going to accomplish the vision of the house, we've got to also understand that somehow, some way, the story of my life is involved in that. Yeah. That's right. In April 20, 1913, Sir William Osler delivered a speech at Yale University. It was a simple message I'm going to give it to you. Let me just give you the crib notes. Live in a day-tight compartment. Live in a day-tight compartment. Now, it's easier said than done, but if you can pull it off, you can put it into practice, and it'll solve a thousand problems. Live in a day compartment. Let, let me just explain what he was saying and what I understand him to mean by this. Today, psychologists, now I'm not a big fan of them, but hello, somebody. I'm just telling you, nothing has changed my life like the Word of God. Nothing has changed my thinking like the Word of God, and the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. The Word of God will change your mind. It'll change the way you think. It'll change. But see, the problem is we don't spend enough time in it. And so when we see a phrase that you're going to hear a lot in the next few weeks, it's almost like God planned it. We'll think, what are you talking about? It's in the Scripture. I'm going to show you in the Scripture where God himself says, I planned it. Oh, I'm setting you up. You don't even know. But according to psychologists, the average person spends 469 and I don't know how they do this, but 46.9% of their time thinking about something other than what they're doing at the present moment. Mm-hmm. You have been sitting down and said, All right, I'm gonna sit down and pray here. Mm-hmm. How long before you lose your train of thought? Yeah. Start thinking about something else. Or I'm gonna sit down and read the Word of God. You got two sentences down, you're already thinking about something else. No. Listen to me, church. In other words, we're living in the wrong time zone. I said we're living in the wrong time song. We're depressed about yesterday. Oh, come, come on, church. We're worried about the future. We're distracted at the moment. And we're frustrated over what we're experiencing. We're overwhelmed by this, that, and the other thing. And we're half present, half the time, which means we're half alive. Y'all not helping me this morning. It's a new year, and I'm going to preach with or without you. I promise you that. Don't disappoint Dave this morning. Come on, Get involved. Listen to me. The only way to be fully alive is to be fully present. Somebody say amen. amen. you got to live in day-tight compartments. you got to be right here, right now. And it's not just a good idea. Don't, don't get it warped in here. This is a God idea. You want me to prove it to you? To live today, to live right now. You want me to prove it to you? This is not some psychologist kind of idea. This is a Word of God, Scripture idea. Watch this. The Bible says, give us this day. Our daily bread. The Bible says, take up your cross. The, the, listen, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. His mercies are new every... I, I want you to understand, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't worry about tomorrow. Here's the bottom line, church. You need to embrace it. Yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. And our job is to win the day today. Amen. Right now. I'm just telling you right now, all my counseling from the future is going to be this. You come to me for counseling, here's the first thing we're going to do. What areas of your life are you not being obedient to the Word of God? Now, Dave had no idea I was going to say that this morning. But he told you that God measures success by obedience. We're going to start right there. And if you're not willing to embrace and to, to receive the challenge where your, war or your life is being disobedient to the Word of God. There isn't any counseling that's going to help you. you got to win the day. What can you change right now, today, that will make tomorrow better? This, see, give us this day. It's all about here. Here's the bottom line. Now, listen, I don't have any ideas what kind of goals you have. People ask me all the time, Pastor Don, what's your New Year's resolution? I, I just don't really make them. I don't wait till January 1st. If I see something in my life that needs to be changed, I work on it right now. Right now. I'm not above goals and those type of things. We get in the gym and we, we write out some goals and we want to lift. And then we start realizing how old we are and how much it hurts. And we, we rethink these goals. <laughs> what problem are you trying to solve? Why can you not release the purpose of who you are into the vision of the house where you belong? Because you got a problem that you're trying to solve. What trying kind of habit are you trying to break? Listen, let me tell you something. I know the secret to success. You want to hear it? It's going to happen one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. You've got to win the day. Then you got to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. Do this two days in a row. You know what that's called? A winning streak. It's also called sanctification. Do you understand that justification is an instant process? But sanctification is a lifelong walk. This is where God is working in our lives. This is where God is moving. Let me, let me plant the seed of faith right here in your life. Are you ready? Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. Yeah. Come on. You are capable of more than what you imagine. You are able to overcome some of the things you think the devil has sent to destroy you. How do I know this? Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That's the Bible. Seventy-five percent of New Year's resolutions fall and fail inside the first month. That's why when you think about one-year timelines, it's overwhelming. You know, how Corey Carpenter managed to go a full year without any sugar, one day at a time. That's right. Now I'm with Lynette and everybody else in this room. If that boy can do that, y'all better get out of his way. There ain't a thing he can't do. Because I love myself some Little Debbie snack cakes. And sweet tea. It don't show because I know I got a good figure. Anyway. See, the problem is we feel like quitting before we ever start. Yeah. People come to church ready for it to be over. Yeah, come on. Because we're always thinking about something else. Yeah. We're, always thinking about, we're not present right here, right now. Right. Listen, I need us to grab Here's the good news. The only ceiling on your intimacy with God and your impact on the world is your spiritual disciplines. Call me crazy if you want to, but reading the word of God every day will change your life. If you meet with God every day, he's gonna show up. But here's the question Can you do it? Can you do it for more than a day? Can you do it for more than a day? Listen, you can't just flip the calendar and expect everything to change. Because all you're doing then is poking at 2022 20, with a long stick. That's all you're doing. You're just poking out. Oh, I hope it's different. Oh, I don't know what's coming out of there. I don't know what's going on. Listen, church, you got to flip the script. you got to flip the script. And I need you to understand something. I'm going to get to the sermon here in just a second because I've got to set you up. The first change in your life has got to be behavior. If it hurts, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you whack your hand with a hammer, and that, don't do, why would you do that again? Right? Remember my story about poking a possum? My dad said, don't do that, it'll bite you. I didn't listen to him, and I kept, it bit me. You, you do understand it? Like, right? You gotta flip, you gotta change your behavior. Listen, you gotta do something more, or you gotta do something less. That is the first order of change. If you're trying to lose weight, you gotta eat less. You gotta exercise more. Hello, somebody. We want these quick fix, because that's what we're looking at. But see, If the first order of change is behavior, then the second order of change is conceptual. See, some of you right now are in a spot in your life, not not due to your own. There's no, you had no choice in it. Somebody left you there. Somebody did something beyond your control. Something happened that you could not control. And now all you want to do is sit paralyzed because somebody else did something... Some situation did something that left you in a situation where you feel broken, where you feel abandoned, where you feel neglected, and you wonder what is going on. Will I ever recover? The one thing my father gave me growing up was a mental discipline. Mental discipline. Now, he gave me some physical discipline too. Don't you get it? Don't get it twisted. My dad was not scared of physical discipline. But this mind, the way we think... Right? My dad gave, let me prove it to you. Everything was once a thought, including you. Listen to me, church. You don't just bear God's image. You are his idea. You are his workmanship, is what the Scripture says. His masterpiece. You are a unique expression of God's very own imagination. To see, you as, to see yourself as less than or anything different is to believe a lie from the pits of hell. You are unique in God's imagination. You are not just created in his image. You are his very idea of how he wants to express himself on planet earth. And, and, and he embraced that and he enjoys that. That's why he says, go be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say, wait till you look like this. to go." Come on, somebody. This is who you are. This is where we're going. There never has been or never will be anybody like you. And that's not a testament of you. That's a testament of who God is in creating you. Amen. The significance, church, is this. I want you to embrace one. No one can worship God like you or for you. Come on. Come on. Listen, you can't, get, you can't come in here on Sunday mornings and let Sean Brown get his praise on for you. You can't can't come in here on Sunday mornings and, and, and let Pastor Don just read the Word of God to you. No one can serve God like you or for you. You have to take your spot in God's kingdom with your purpose, amen, blended into the vision of the house God has called you into. Everything works for God in His reason. We tend to think habits are as external, right? But The biggest return on investment is this. The way you explain your experience to yourself. The stories you tell yourself. On average, I'm just taking somebody else. I'm not these people. I'm just taking somebody else's wisdom or study or education when I quote this to you. But I saw a a study that said on average about 60,000 thoughts fire through our mind every single day. Now Some of y'all got squirrel anointing and maybe it's 120,000 thoughts some of y'all are turtle anointing and it's a little slower than that but but according to the Cleveland Clinic 80% of those thoughts are negative now Pastor Don's not this power of positive thinking thing I'm a power of, of scriptural thinking but Houston we got a problem because if, if all of those thoughts are negative, every time you go through something, every time you work through something, every time you, you experience resistance, every time you experience an obstacle, every time you experience struggle, all you're going to do is roll negative with that thing. Yeah. All you're going to do is roll negative with that thing. You're going to fall inside, fall down, and roll back into this thing. The problem is thinking, thinking. And Proverbs says, As a man thinks, so is he. The battles lost or won in our mind. Francis Frangipane, he said this. If you read his book on the three battlegrounds, it's incredible. He said, Isn't it amazing that Jesus was crucified on a hill called Golgotha? Translates the hill of the skull. Jesus was crucified on the hill of the skull. And he says, Isn't it amazing that the battle always happens right here? It's not a coinky dink. Come on, church. It's not a coinky dink. The stories you tell yourself are far more important than the situation you find yourself in. I said the stories you tell yourself are far more important than the situation you find yourself in. That's when we learn how to flip the script. Now here's our backdrop. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. I can't read your Bible to you, but you understand. Joseph is a teenager. He has a dream right? And, and his dream is that his brothers would, and his family would all one day bow down to him, right? It's a great story. Great story. You ought to read it sometime. It's epic. He makes the mistake of telling his brothers his dream. He makes this mistake and his brothers, uh, they, they're so mad about it, what they do is they fake his death and they sell him into slavery, right? And life goes from bad to worse for Joseph, right? Joseph ends up in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Hello, somebody. Here you are this morning, suffering for something. Come on, come on. Somebody, come on. And the story you tell yourself about what you're going through, come on, church. Yeah. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not scared of anything but a hypodermic needle. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I, just, I just lick the armpits of a grizzly bear and go home and smooch on my wife. I mean, I don't care. Uh, you won't smooch on your wife. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But there's just something about sucking the life-giving blood out of my body. I'm not scared of bleeding. I've bled plenty in my life. I'm not scared. People say, oh, you're scared of blood. I was a butcher for over 20 years. I'm not scared of blood. It's my blood. It's supposed to stay in my body, and you're not supposed to suck it out. It violates my brain. And I have been known to pass out a time or two. I have. I've been known to pass out a time or two when they take my blood. The story I tell myself that's worse than the experience. Yeah, right. Come on, church. Are you with me? If anybody could have played the victim card, Joseph. Here's a long story short. I like it because y'all don't like for me to preach very long. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. You got it. And Pharaoh puts his signet ring on Joseph's finger, and he makes him second in command. And I don't have time to read the whole thing. Thirteen years. After selling him into slavery, 13 years after selling him into slavery, his brothers come knocking on his door begging for food. Genesis 43 verse 28 says his brothers bowed down before him. Now I can only imagine what Joseph must have thought and what Joseph must have felt because I was a little brother and I had a bigger brother who picked on me some. The vision he had at 17 years old, the vision that went off the rail, the vision that took a wrong turn, the vision that seemed so far away, the vision that did not seem possible is fulfilled in this moment. Mm, come on, somebody. You see, chapter 50, verse 20, is like a time lapse video. Come on, maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. But Joseph looks back at all the ups and all the downs, all the pain and all the suffering, all the twists and all the turn. And you know what he says? Let me tell you what he says. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? My life was miserable because of you. My life was struggle because of you. I suffered because of you. I suffered. It's not fair. You took everything away from me. You controlled my life. I didn't do anything wrong. No, that's not what he said. Instead, he's standing there. He looks at all the ups and downs, all the twists and turns, all the suffering and pain. And you know what he says to his brothers? What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. I want you to understand something. You and I live in a time, right, where evil men rule and evil men are in control. And there's a devil loose in the world that we live in. But I'm here to tell you the church is still here. And what the enemy has meant for evil, my God has called me to work with him so he can turn it around for good. we got to flip the script on this thing. Every two weeks, all they've got, amen, is more bad news. But I'm going to stand here every week, and I'm asking you to help me every week to stand up and be the people of God and sit in the middle of your bad news, in the middle of your dark corner. I got good news, and I got a big old light. His name is Jesus, and I have come here to flip the script. I've come here to flip this script. Joseph said, <laughs> To save many lives. To save many lives. Uh, Listen to me, church. You don't need vengeance when you know you have purpose. Oh, somebody ought to write that down. You don't need revenge when you know you're anointed. Come on, church. Uh, God, uh, listen to me, church. God gave us 50-20 vision. Oh, (laughs) Let me make it simple. Let me make it one, two, three. So we get it right, because I'm just an uneducated country boy too. Listen, if you want to flip the script, you got to do three things. You got to know your name. You got to fix your focus, and you got to change your story. Am I a sinner saved by grace? Somebody say amen. amen. But let me tell you something. That's not where I'm living. I'm a saint now. Amen. Do you understand that? the The script has been flipped. I once was. But now I'm not. Come on, somebody. Right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Are you with me, church? I, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was deaf, but now I hear. Listen me, church. I once was dead, but now, right here in this time where I live, in the midst of bad news every two weeks, God has called me to be a light, and he's called me to be a proclaimer of the goodness of his good name. I want you to understand. God has called me to change my story by fixing my focus. And knowing my name. Amen. Amen. More, more than a century ago, Houston Cooley, uh, Charles Houston Cooley, he's the founder of the American Psychological Association. Here's what he said. I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think I am. See, our self comes from a lot of different sources. Sometimes it's simple, right? As someone saying to you, you're good at this, you're not good at that. Y'all know why I'm not on the worship team? Because I ain't good at singing. I love to play the drums. Most people in here probably don't even know I can play the drums. Why? Well, I play the drums. Y- y'all ever seen uh, Corey and Tim Hall and Breno? They're good at that. Do you understand that? Maybe, maybe your life is taken on identity because someone said, hey, you're good at this. And you're bad at that. You know when I first got saved and first got anointed and first started learning to preach, everybody told me, you're an evangelist, you're an evangelist, you're an evangelist, you're an evangelist. And so you know what I would do? I would go evangelize. I bought a big old tent. My little wife and I and my little girl and my son, we would put up a tent. And we'd do three-week revivals. And people would get saved and healed. And we saw demons get cast out. We saw all kinds of things, right? I can remember me and this little girl standing on a corner. She about this tall, holding up a big old cross while her dad preached under a red light you learn to preach the gospel in 90 seconds. They can't go nowhere. <laughs> and when the light changes from red to green here, you just turn around right there because there's more people that can't go nowhere right there. And you just preach the gospel. Yep. I got pictures. Yep. And we would go every afternoon after work. Just go down to the street corner. And we were preaching until they ran us off. And we'd go to a different street corner. And then Popo would run around and go, Hey, we just ran you off from over there. That's all right. I got to preach the gospel three times for you. Caught me this time. And I'm gone. I bought, ask my wife, I bought bull horns that hooked up to the car battery with an amplifier hooked up to the car battery. So all we had to do was pop the trunk, put the horns on top of the ceiling of the car, haul the cross out, stand out there with a microphone and a cable, and preach the gospel at red lights. Yeah. We did it. Why? Because I was an evangelist. Because everybody said, you're good at it. And I was miserable. Or we'll forget the day when someone showed up and said, You're not an evangelist at all. You're a pastor. Never been so relieved in all my life. <laughs> See, either way, what we're doing is letting people narrate our story. You're divorced. Oh, come on. And so now God can't use you. Oh, come on. You were you an addict. So God can't use you. Now you're a felon. God can't use you. You committed this. You did that. You've been abused. You've been neglected. Now God can't use you. You made a mistake. God can't use you. Somebody else is narrating your story. Right. Somebody else is telling you who you are. Right? You don't yeah. even know your name. All of a sudden, you are not Don Smith. Amen. But you're this guy who's got no education and who comes from a, a, a poor family. Right? And, and grew up in, and you, you weren't raised in church. You can't be a preacher. Oh come on! I tell a guy. I had a guy that I worked with one time told me that I couldn't go to heaven because I was interracially married. He literally told me that. You can't go to heaven because you're interracially married. God says, God strictly forbids it in the Scripture. Don't marry outside your race. You know what? I agree with Dave. Sometimes people are morons. I said it. You can't even read the Scripture right. Let me tell you something. Is there a race? Absolutely. There's two races on earth. The people of God and the not people of God. God's creative imagination, God's beautiful handiwork, God's idea is creating people with different colors and different shapes, uh, who speak different languages, who live in different parts of the world. How dare, how dare we look at God's creation and say, some people, some people aren't as valuable as others. That is not Bible. Bible. Somebody else is narrating the story. Now, I'm a young Christian. I don't know any better. I've never been raised in church. I don't know the scripture. And somebody else who's been in church all his life has told me that God can't love me even though Jesus died for my sins because I'm Somebody else is narrating my story. Somebody else is telling me I'm unworthy. Your name ain't Don. Your name is unworthy. Your name ain't Don. Your name is useless. Your name ain't Don. Come on, somebody. See, it's so critical for us to take our cues from the Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is our scripture. Oh, that's good. I wrote that all by myself. See, the book of James is a mirror of the Bible, isn't it? It's where we discover who we are in the eyes of God. This is how we know our name. This is how we flip the script. I once was, but I ain't anymore. Come on, somebody. Let me me drive drive us back to Joseph's story, because I don't want y'all to freak out a little bit. After playing mind games with his brother, and I completely understand it, because I would have done the same thing. Don't don't look at me like that, because so would you. Joseph's playing mind games with his brother. He's totally justified. I'm going to give him that. And I think God is going to give him that too. Go ahead. go ahead, You want to have a little fun. Just, just, hey, you know, all these 13 years, just go, have a little fun. So he plays a, a, a few mind games with them. But he finally reveals his identity. And this is why I think this is important. In Genesis 45, verse 3, he says, I am Joseph. Oh! But we read pa- right past it. We read right past it while we have let situation Dictate our name. While we have let circumstance dictate our name. While we have let someone else in the world dictate who we are. You're a single mom. You're a single dad. You you, you lost everything and had to file bankruptcy. Your parents are alcoholics. You're going to be an alcoholic. Your parents are divorced. You're going to be divorced. We were right past it. We were right past it. Instead, I want you to stop right there. He said, I am Joseph. Well, of course Joseph knows who he is. It's his name. Come on. But not so fast. Little fun fact. Little fun fact. When Pharaoh makes Joseph his second in command, you know what Pharaoh does? He doesn't just give him his signet ring. Pharaoh changed his name. Little fun fact. That is not how Joseph introduced himself to his brothers. He did not use the world's. Na- oh, wow. Oh, help me, Jesus, because here I'm in, in church. And I don't know if anybody's going to love me because I'm just a drunk. Here I am, Jesus, I'm just in church, right? I don't know if anybody's going to love me because I'm just a truck driver. Help me, Jesus, I don't know if anybody's going to love me because I'm a single mom now. I'm a single dad now because somebody made a decision. Regardless of what happens, I'm left all alone. Come on, somebody. Y'all not helping me. Yep. It would have been easy for Joseph to forget who he was. And let me tell you something in the culture that you live in right now, if you allow it, if you allow it, it will rename you and tame you. And y'all better be prepared. Pastor Don ain't somebody who's gonna be tamed. And I, I'll be honest with you, it calls me hell sometimes. And my wife will look at me and go, That's your own fault. I, I can't help you. I got on it because I refuse to be tamed, I refuse to be watered down, and I am most miserable. When people try to tame me, you know, you you remember what happened when Rabbit took Taker's bounce away? Yeah, something, something. That's so scripture, so Bible. The world wants to label you. Listen to me, church. The world wants to define you. Cancel culture will chew you up and spit you out. you got to know who you are. You have to know whose you are. And you need to know your name. And Pastor Don is starting this year off by telling you who you are. I want you to know you are blessed. You are chosen. You are blameless. You are adopted by your heavenly Father. You are redeemed by Christ. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are stamped, stamped, stamped into the image of God. Glory! Yeah. Come on. I've been listening to some Pentecostals sing lately. Y'all forgive me. I, I need you to understand. You've got to flip this script and you need to know your name. Too many of you in here this morning has let something else and somebody else rename you. And you've owned that. Stop it. Nothing you can do about it. You just got to embrace what happened and say, God is still good because I'm still here. And if God was done with me just because of that, uh, I'd be dead now, but I ain't dead. And as long as I ain't dead, my God has still got glory. He wants me to walk in. You got to know your name. Yep. Amen. And some days you got to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm redeemed. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm adopted, I'm sealed, and I'm stamped. Hey, y'all not helping me, church. See, it helps fix your focus. Remember, I said you got to know who you, what your name is, and you got to fix your focus. Right. Nothing, nothing. Come on, church. We'll challenge your focus like the the world slapping the glasses right off your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. I don't know anybody who hadn't been there. We got this saying: your focus determines your reality. Sound good? Sounds like a meme. We've got some meme makers in here. Y'all make these memes? I see them sometimes. Your focus determines your reality. You know what that is? That's Philippians chapter 4. If anything is right or good or pure or just or admirable, think about such things. Your focus determines your reality. Listen, if you're looking for an excuse, let Pastor Don give you a guarantee. You're going to find it snowed last night. I, I, don't, I don't think I can make church. Today. Oh, I said it out loud. I apologize. <laughs> you live in Michigan. Yeah. Snow. <laughs> you, first time you ever it's like it's something new. We're like a calf looking at a new gate every year the first time it snows. What's that? I don't know about you, but I start counting it down. Every day from January 1st until the end of March, that we don't have snow is a good day in the day of Pastor Dawn. It's a good day. Let it rain. I don't have to shovel rain. Y'all, y'all distracted me. Focus. If you're looking for something to be grateful for, you'll find it. See, some of y'all spouses need to stop complaining about your spouse and stop being grateful. Because I'm going to say this very loud. I'm looking at you and I'm just going to say, when it comes to spouse, you won the spouse lottery. Your spouse maybe not so much. But you, you did. You did. And if you're ungrateful for your spouse, maybe you ought to have a conversation with some of those that sit in the room who don't have one anymore. I'm helping you this morning. Y'all don't even know it. I'm giving you a big old scoop of mashed potato God word this morning. Joseph could have played the victim card. Everybody say right? Right. He also could have played God and evened the score with his brothers. But he doesn't do either of those things. Why? Because he's got God's eye view of the situation. He's got a 50-20 vision And he says, you intended to harm me, but that isn't where I'm going to focus my energy. Instead, God intended it for good to the saving of many lives. Come on, somebody. Dave just testified to us this morning that if Corona had not shut down baseball fields, there are certain men he would not, or young men he would not have met. Oh, it's horrible. We can't go play baseball. That's horrible in Dominican. I've been there. See, here's the deal. 2020, 2021, I made some new relationships. 2020, 2021, I found a new groove. I found a new way. I found some new things. What the enemy meant for evil, I've discovered something of God that I I would not have yet known. Right? What the enemy meant for evil, I'm seeing that God's flipping the script. I'm seeing that I'm still here. I'm still by purpose. And it doesn't matter to me that every two weeks they want to bring out a new avenue of fear. Listen, for all eternity, I got the promise of God. I'm still here. Yeah. to the chagrin of many people. I've seen, this, I've seen this dump this, this thing at the end of 2020, and I've seen it again at the end of 21. It's, the, it's a meme, and, and, it, and it said something like 2020 was a dumpster fire. Pretty funny, right? But it's the wrong explanation. Can I say this to us, 2020, 2021? It wasn't a dumpster fire. It was a refiner's fire. Oh, and what comes out of a refiner's fire is always more pure and precious and more valuable than what went in, uh, right? Why? Because it's been refined by the touch of the master's hand. Uh, the prophet Malachi asked this question. He says, who is able to endure? Who is able to stand? Uh, he will be like a blazing fire that, that refines metal, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner's silver, burning away the dross. Listen to me, church. How do we fix our focus? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's how we do it. But stop looking at this world. I love the moment when Peter gets out of the boat. Come on, somebody. In the middle of a sea, right? Right in the middle of a storm, right in the middle of the night. The worst time to ever get out of a boat. And we can all agree that Peter's timing is usually pretty awful. That takes a ton of faith, but here's the deal. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. But I need you to understand, walking on the water was not Peter's intention. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even his expectation. Yep. It wasn't like Peter said, oh, I'm going to get out of this boat and walk on water and they're going to preach sermons forever about water, walk, and faith. Yeah. Peter could have cared less about the water. That's right. He only wanted to get to... Ge- yeah, that's, right. that's the sermon we ought to be preaching. Peter couldn't stay in the boat because Jesus wasn't in the boat. Y'all better not stay where Jesus ain't. Y'all better get, I don't care what's in your way. I don't care what obstacle is there. Fix your focus on Jesus and you'll forget about what's in the way. Your mind won't watch what's in your way. Your mind won't tell you how it's impossible. Instead, you'll you'll swing your leg outside the boat and you'll start doing what no one thought you could do. Why? Because you wanted to get to Jesus. Oh, he's always been an alcoholic. He ain't never gonna. One day, you just swing out of the boat, and why? Because not because you didn't want to be an alcoholic anymore, but because you wanted to get to Jesus. Are you with me, church? Uh, hey, they always been addicted. They always been abused. They always been depressed. They're always full of anxiety. And one day, you just decide, I want to get to Jesus, and you don't even realize that water was in you. Come on, church. You don't realize depression was in your way. Anxiety was in your way. Addiction was in. I'm preaching today, and y'all ain't even helping. Simply doing what he's seeing and he's following Jesus. When he loses his focus on Jesus, it's when he started to have issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Change of pace and change of place mm-hmm. equals change of perspective. Yep. Come on. You want to change your situation? Come on. You got to change your perspective. That's right. The key to spiritual growth is Routine. I'm sorry it's not more complicated than that. Amy said it last week. God's love is it's not complicated. Spiritual walking and, and, and spiritual maturity is not complicated. It's, it's just about routine. And once routine becomes routine, you have to change the routine. Every year I change the translation in my Bible. This year, y'all get ready, I'm reading the New Living Translation. I've never read it before. Every year in January, I start with a new translation. Why? It's a change of pace for me. I mean, I, I started reading a little bit, I didn't like it. I'm going back to it now, because I, I, made, I made this. I'm changing my pace. I like the ESV. It's been great for me. See, I'm changing my focus now and see something a little different. And it was in the New Living Translation where I saw God literally say, "I have planned it." Oh. OK, OK, Jesus. OK, Jesus. Now here's the last part of it, and I'm going to close. You've got to change your story. Uh, According to Emory University, the best predictor of a child's emotional well-being is not getting them into a great school. The best predictor of a child's emotional well-being is not giving them lots of hugs and kisses. It's not taking them on a pilgrimage to Disney World. It's not sitting down and watching Pixar films with them. The number one indicator of emotional well-being, y'all ready, Drum roll as a child knowing their family history you got to know your story you got to know your story here's what i know for sure all of us were born into someone else's story oh i need you to i need you to just rest for a minute i need you to rest for a minute we all have family origins that's called our genesis our children were born into our story i i was born into my parents' story My parents were born into my grandparents' story. For better or for worse, we are all born into someone else's story. And most of you people let that paralyze you. My parents were alcoholics. My parents were abused, and so they abused me. And so now my children experience abuse because of what somebody else did. I can't change because this is the way it is. Can, can I bless you this morning? I, I hope I can. Here's the good news. As children of God, we are grafted into God's family. Let me, everyone that sits in this room this morning is born again, you were born into God's story. Yeah. Scripture becomes our script. Scripture becomes our script. This book is our backstory, And our lives are the rest of the story. Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Y'all might think it's, y'all might go, whatever. I'm going to say it. I am the fifth gospel. Oh, and so are you. Come on. You are Acts 29. Here we are. We, we, we are Revelation 23. Now, listen to me. You are the only Bible some people will ever read. The question is, is your life a good translation? Oh, help me, Jesus. Here's how it works. You surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ. And you can do that right here, right now, regardless of how long you think you've been walking with God. When you give the author and the perfecter surrender of your faith completely, he begins to rewrite his story into your life. He begins to rewrite history with a hyphen in you and through you. Mm-hmm. you got to flip the script. Yep. I'm not trying to make light of who you are, or where you've been. I'm just telling, it's time for God's people to flip the script. Yeah. It is time for us to stop being dictated by the fear of the unknown and walk around poking with a long stick the future, hoping nothing's going to jump out and get us. Why is the church so afraid? Why are we so afraid? You know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to put speakers outside and blast on Sunday morning our worship. Oh, Pastor Don, they'll get listen, they can't write you a ticket in this parking lot because it's private property. You can't tell me what I'm gonna do. Yeah, see, I told you all, you can't tame me. I'm just ready. I am so ready for Acts 29. I am so ready for Revelation 23. I am so ready for the fifth gospel. And I am so tired of fear paralyzing the church and the body of Christ. It's the only thing with life. It's the only thing with eternity. It's the only thing with good news in the world we live in. It's time for us to be radical and stop apologizing. The world is not apologizing anymore for their dysfunction. I'm just telling you. In a world where people don't know which bathroom to use, it's undeniable that I'm the only one with good news. I, I just grab a hold of this: discipleship is taking our cue from Jesus. It's not complicated. We we love like Jesus. We think like Jesus. We pray like Jesus. We treat people like Jesus did. Do that long enough, and you become like Jesus. <clears throat> Oh, Pastor Don, I just want to be like Jesus. Pray for me, I just want to be like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. Great. Love like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. Treat people like Jesus. Guess what? Do like Jesus. It's a miracle. I got a simple theory about spiritual maturity. I don't believe it's complicated. When you first encounter a verse in the scripture, it's nothing more than a theory you got to test that theory. How? By putting it into practice. And then that theory becomes your testimony. Yep. Maturity is the testing of the word of God. Maturity is that theory becoming my testimony. As a man thinks, so is he. I'll give you an example. I'm going to close for the second time. <laughs> Jesus said, come on, worship team. Let's, let's be done. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Does that violate you? No, come on, Don. Let's just be real. Right? Like... Now, brother, we have been given tremendous authority, but we've got to exercise it. Granted, it's got to be the will of God. Hello, somebody. And it needs to be proven in the word of God. But prayer isn't outlining my agenda for God. Prayer is getting into the word of God and God's presence and letting God outline his agenda for me. That's why I'll continue to say, I don't think prayer changes things as much as it changes me. And I'm amazed at the people who want life to change but won't show up for a prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. ain't got time for it. got time for everything else. You got time for all the dysfunction in your life. All the things that kill you. All the things that make you miserable. How do you have time for that? Mm -hmm. I see people investing all this time in the things that make their life miserable. All this money in the things that make their life miserable. And I'm going, how do you do that? Remember the signet ring that Pharaoh gave Joseph? He gave him full authority. Mm -hmm. We... We have to, listen, we have to understand that we have the full backing of the king and his kingdom. We have to operate in that authority. We have to exercise that authority. We we, we We have the authority to rebuke the wind and the waves. We have the authority to bind things on earth. This is our script. The theory becomes reality, and when it does, it becomes my testimony. Here's my testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. Here's my testimony. I once was a horrible husband and a horrible father. I'm still working on it. Are you with me? But when I tell you that most of you in this room, you hit the spouse lottery, I mean that. I mean that. I know I did. Other days, when I'm checking the ticket and going to the numbers right... but those are the days when I got to realize I'm blessed I'm chosen come on I'm adopted I'm redeemed this is who I am and I need God to adjust my attitude I got to flip the script here on this moment let me flip the script on this moment right what's the word of God says right my testimony is actually prophecy why because if God did it for me he can do it for you. I ain't nobody special. Are you with me? I'm just, I just an old country boy who one day ran into Jesus. I mean, wide open. Jesus was standing in my way on purpose. Now, he wasn't scared of me. Stand with me in this place. Let me, let me help you out. In 1992, let me tell you something. When I ran into Jesus... He wasn't scared of my dirt. He wasn't scared of my stink. And Jesus wasn't worried about me getting him dirty. Instead, he stood there. And he let his love wash me clean. Come on, church. He let his love wash me clean. The blood of Jesus came. And it didn't cover my sin, church. It washed them away. Never to be remembered again. My testimony has become my prophecy. There are some amazing prophets in this house. I'm not one of them. But I can prophesy to you this morning. What God did for me, He can do for you. What God did then, He will do again. Maybe that's 2022 what God did then he will do again maybe that's 2022 my wife said hey what's your little word phrase for 2022 I said I don't know the Holy Ghost knows we'll figure it out what God did then he can do again this is where we're at this is where we're at yesterday is history Tomorrow's a mystery today I'm flipping the script what the devil meant for evil Not God meant for good I want you to understand this morning I don't know where you're at what you've been going through what you fear right now maybe you see yourself as that person with a long pole poking at the door of 2022 because you're afraid put that stick down put it down and embrace the word of God God did not take us this far to leave us now Others may have left us. Others may have thrown us aside. Others may have neglected us. Others may have abused us. Others may have thought we didn't have any value. Others may have thought we ain't going nowhere. So they got to go find somebody who is going somewhere. Listen to me, church. I need you to understand something. Put that stick down. Raise your hand and praise and watch God do it. I hope this year will be a year where you learn to flip the script. Oh, listen, we got a lot of stuff to do. Eat a frog and fly a kite. Y'all are not ready. God's got a lot for us. Because we were born for such a time as this. I wasn't born for yesterday. And to some chagrin, I'm going to be here tomorrow. But I was born for today. Father, right now in this place, I want to embrace your word. Lord, you're so good to us. Forgive us, God, for not looking at the future with faith. Instead, Lord, poking at it with the stick of our own strength. God, help us to stand knowing that our God is with us. Help us to stand knowing that you never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to stand in the midst of a time when others have nothing to do but fear and be people full of faith, people full of hope, people full of joy, people who are full and confident of knowing who we are because we know our name. We fixed our focus and we know our story. And God, uh, you are all about today. And so Lord, we're flipping the script. I'm no longer, I'm no longer identified by those things no longer identified by those things instead God I'm pressing into you come on God's moving on your heart you want to spend a moment at the altar it's fine come on thank you Lord that in our surrender we are not prisoners instead in our surrender Lord we are made free so Lord we start this year off in hope Flipping the script. When in the day? When in the day? Today. I'm gonna live in a day tight compartment, Lord. I'm gonna walk today with you and watch you do what only you can do with tomorrow. My past is what it was, my future is what it will be for you. Today, Lord, I just wanna walk with you, Jesus. I just want to walk with you. And I thank you, Lord, for deliverance. I thank you for a word that sets us free. We'll embrace it as we head down this road. Without your presence, we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around, tell your neighbor, flip the script.